Hey guys, welcome to the Next Level Agents Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Kaufman, and along with my business partner and co-host, Fred Weaver, we bring to you our podcast all about getting to the next level. Sometimes we talk to real estate agents, sometimes brokers, sometimes people just in and around our space, and sometimes just entrepreneurs in general. But our point here is to talk to the brightest and the best and to pull gold nuggets out of them and bring them to you so that way you can take little actionable pieces of advice, sometimes big actionable pieces of advice and make your business even better and help you get to the next level. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, go over to ratethispodcast.com, ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA, stands for Next Level Agents, and please leave us a five-star review if you have not already. All right, without further ado, welcome to today's episode. All right, guys, we're back on the Next Level Agents podcast, and uh, today I'm joined by a good buddy of mine, longtime friend, uh, Mr. Greg Whitmire out of uh, Lake Havasu City, Arizona. What's going on, dude? What's happening? Um, not a whole lot, dude. Just uh, I've been looking forward to this. I don't know why you and I haven't recorded a podcast together before. We've talked so many times over the years, and so I was thinking about, I think I was in the sauna one day when I texted you and I was just like, we should record a podcast. And you're like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So here we are. Uh, and I'm excited to be doing that today. So Greg, do this, um, do this first for the listeners. Although I told you this is going to mostly just be you and me shooting the shit. And it is tell, tell us kind of who you are and kind of what you do in the, in the business world today. And I'm going to, because I know I'm a, a bunch about you, I'm going to hop around and we'll, we'll talk about different topics and stuff, but Let's just start there. Oh, great. Okay, so technically, like when we get to like terms and titles, which I'm I'm not a huge fan of, but they are what they are. Um, I am president and CEO of Summerlin Financial and Summerlin Title Agency. Uh, one, of course, is kind of self-explanatory. It, it's a title and escrow company. And the other one is a mortgage company. Awesome. And is on your mortgage company, you, like you don't just do like traditional mortgages, right? You guys also do hard money and other sort of like, uh, what's the term? Non-QM loans? Is that the right Correct. term? Yeah. So non-QM, you know, all your basic stuff and then a lot of non-QM and then quite a bit of whatever you want to call it, hard money, private money, depends on who you talk to. Um, yeah. I don't believe there's ne negative connotation to either. So uh, a lot of project financing where, you know, maybe a project isn't bankable. Um, I can raise money for that in a hard money facet. And then for, so for new construction, a lot of new construction, tiny home communities, um, some storage communities just depends where people might not be getting. And right now to, with, with where rates have gone, um, I'm not very far off now on my hard money than yeah, what you that... are on for regular money. So a lot of my investors like, we need to raise the rate. And I'm like, let's just keep doing business. Yeah. Like, you know, so you're, you're barely above investor rate at this point. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, how does, okay. So you said Summerlin financial and Summerlin title. How does one end up being involved in both? Um, give me, give me a little bit of that backstory. Like um, what came first for the financial or the title side? So financial came first. So I've been in loans. It'll be 20 years this year. 20 years. And, yeah. Seriously, dude. Yeah. 20, it's already been 20. No kidding. Yeah. Awesome. I know. It's sometimes I try not to think about it sometimes. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you've been, so you've been in the loan world for going up 20 years basically now. So, 
Um, tell me, tell me more about that. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're fine. Um, and so in that process started out as a broker because a buddy of mine knew a broker. Um, I live in a smaller resort style town. He was from California. He came here to vacation all the time. I grew up here. And so he's like, you know, everybody I was roofing and bartending. He's like, you need to do loans. And I'm like, okay. I mean, what does that look like? It's like, well, we're going to rent this office above this title company. And you're going to give you a computer and a notebook with username and passwords and like just sell loans. So cool. And so that's what I did. Um, went down to the title company a lot and asked the ladies down there, like how to do loans, where to get loans, if they could give me loans. Right. And so that was the old days when you had the huge headsets. I don't even think they were Bluetooth yet, but they, they had some wireless ones. Um, and so I could actually still answer my phone downstairs in their office. And so I was in their office all the time. I was either going to be by myself in my office or around a bunch of title ladies that could give me business. And so that's kind of how I learned. So did that for a while, got headhunted by Countrywide, went to Countrywide in, I want to say 2005 or 2006-ish. And um, I've never been anywhere ever for a long time. So I committed to being there for five years. That was my goal. No matter what, I was going to be at this job four or five years. And then we all know what happened, right? And so um, shit hit the fan and we got out by Bank of America and I said, I'm not leaving. I told myself I'm doing five years. And it was turned into like, sound just like it sounds, hard time. Um, three years of hard time at Bank of America. Uh, luckily, I had some really good referring partners and convinced them that they do business with me and not Bank of America. And so I did my five years, got to my five-year mark and uh, left and went to a local broker banker and was there for about five or six years. In that time, met some people through my gym um, who had a license but weren't using it. They got out of loan, started purchasing uh, paper. And so they were purchasing paper for a long time when everything was doing bad. And then that got to be where everybody started getting to purchasing notes. And so they are like, Hey, we have this license, you know, you need to come use the license. Hey, do me a favor, back up. When you say purchasing paper, talk to me like I'm a kid. Okay. What, what does so, that mean? Cause, uh, I, I kind of know what it means. I'm definitely not an expert, but definitely most of the listeners have heard that term, but no one's ever really explained it. So will you break that down for me? Yeah. So if anybody has seen the big short, which I think by now, most people have seen it at least once, um, all of our mortgages are sold as mortgage backed securities and they were sold in tranches. And that's kind of what got us in trouble is they were putting really bad loans with really good loans and rating them as really good loans. Um, so what these guys did is they had an investor pool and they'd go to bank of America, um, and say, we have X amount of money. We want to buy whatever non-performing notes you have available. Maybe they bought two or three, five or six, so you might have somebody that wasn't making a payment, right? Um, let's say it was a $400,000 mortgage at back in those days, six and a half percent. And they hadn't made a payment in 90 days. So they would come in and instead of Bank of America having to go foreclose on it, get it into asset management or short sale it or any of those things, they say, fine, we'll sell you that $400,000 note for $250,000. they would buy it for $250,000 and then they would work with the buyer or the original borrower to try to get them in a position to where they could start making payments again, or get them in a position where they made enough payments to where they could get it refinanced. But they bought it for 250, but the people still owe 400. Got it. Okay. And so there was upside to them for doing so, but they used to be able to get them really cheap when a lot of people weren't buying them. Just like you could go to the steps and buy a lot of foreclosures really cheap in the very beginning until everybody showed up at the steps and now they're getting, people are bidding them up. 
So you could bid up the notes just like you could bid up the foreclosures. Okay, got it. So, <laughs> so, so they were but they were buying those types of notes, so that that, that paper, uh, but they also had a mortgage license that they were not using. Correct. So they kept bugging me to come do something, and I kept saying no, um, because unlike anybody else, and that sounded really uncomfortable. Um, and I was making the most money I'd ever made. I'm like, why would I, like, it's not broke. Why, why move? And I believe I'm pretty loyal as well. So really, this is only the second, third company I've worked for, right? One we started with, then one was Countrywide, it got bought out. And then now I'm at um, a small mom and pop broker shop. Um, me and one other guy and an owner to start, everybody else had kind of left. Um, and so, yeah, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then um, I went to a seminar that I go to every year by a guy named Todd Duncan. And he talked about uh, having a business, like nobody wants to buy my loan business, right? Like, it'd be cool if you could sell your book of business on the real estate side. And I know people do. I don't understand it because you've built relationships with people and that's how you got your business. So to buy my past clients, you're not buying my relationship. You're just buying an email and a phone number. So I guess it's worth something to somebody. Um, but like, as I get older, like, how am I going to continue to make money and not do, you know, 90 hours a week worth of loan business? And so Todd had talked about, you know, hiring people, teaching people, building a team. That's when kind of team stuff got kind of big. And so I'm like, cool, I'm going to do that. I'm going to just hire somebody and teach them how to do what I do. And then all the loans I get, I'll cherry pick the ones I want to do. And then I'll give the other person all the crappy loans for a better, you know, let them do the hard stuff. So I started to do that. I hired two people, hired one kid, still works for me today. And he's amazing. He does a, he's really good at doing loans. And then a gal. And as we started to build this out, the, my branch manager, um, like stuff to run very smoothly. And so smoothly in loans is for us here in Havasu is retired 780 FICO, uh, 50% LTV. You know, it's not single family manufactured um, and renovation loans and all the stuff that nobody wants to do. Well, when you're new, that's what you get, right? And so as we're building this out, it just didn't line up. And so um, my coach said, hey, they want to talk again. And I think you should really look at it hard at meeting with them and figuring out if there's something that will work for you. And so I said, okay. And so we met and it would seem like the time I said, you know, back then I was a really big Gary V fan. And for about four years on my phone, it said, all this looking back is fucking with your neck. And so I said, what's the worst that could happen? Like I could always go back and do loans again. And so I said, I said, yeah, let's do it. And so we opened up Summerlin financial at the same time, they were already opening up Summerlin title. And, uh, so that's kind of how it started. And then I had run Summerlin Financial for, I want to say about three years in 2019. My business partner, Adam, said, hey, I really want to focus on our other company, which was Boat and RV Storage. And he said, but I can't do that and run title. And so um, I said, cool, just pay me, right? Everything's a, Everything's a factor of money. If it's going to take me more time, and take more effort than uh, just just pay me what I want and I'll run both companies. And they agreed. And so that's kind of how I got into the title business. Um, worked really hard to get a gal to come over that had been in title and escrow for 17 years. All of our escrow officers, except for her, just like all of my loan officers, except for one, are all uh, brought in with no experience. And we kind of taught them how to do the business. And so, yeah, 
was that on purpose, the hiring people without experience, or was that just kind of how it worked out and then you you made the best of it? It started out, uh, that's just how it worked out. Now it's kind of like I've done both. Uh, I want to say I'm better at one than the other. It's just easier to get somebody to, to buy into a system that doesn't have any other systems that they're used to. Yeah. Yeah. There's, a, I mean, that's a big advantage. It's the same thing on the real estate side. Um, yes, it's nice to move over agents that already sell 20 houses, 50 houses, hundred houses a year. Don't get me wrong. And, um, the thing about agents and, and probably even the same thing with lender with, uh, like LOs is like, there's all, they're always making new ones. <laughs> the schools are always spitting out new ones. Right. And so there's always a chance, uh, it, you know, to find that next person who's going to be you, but, you know, I always think of it too. Like, I, I remember when I was a brand new agent, hadn't, you know, like literally just got licensed. And I remember the owner of the brokerage I joined looked at me, like literally gave me the up and down look like this kid's never going to make it. And it wasn't long before I was, you know, uh, wasn't, wasn't long before he realized he was wrong. And I just know that there's a lot of other people out there that, um, everybody started as a new agent. All of the greats at one time were brand new. And so to me, that's just, it's easy to overlook them. Um, but the reality is, is I think if you overlook brand new folks, you, you miss out on the future. I do too. And I think just in business itself, we've gotten a lot better at finding better questions to ask. And so like when I'm recruiting, you know, my big thing is like, I'll ask certain questions to find out the will, like what's the why behind why you want to do this. And then what's the will that you're going to put towards that? Um, because I'll, I'll take will over skill any day because you can have all the skill in the world. And if you're, if you don't show up and do the things, um, especially right now, like yeah. the things that we used to, like, we have to do three times as much work for a third of, for a third of the results. And that's fine. Just do it. Yeah. But then all of a sudden we're entitled and like in our business <clears throat> and I've noticed it in the real estate world too. I've seen it lately. Um, you know, sign on bonuses. Yeah. So yeah, like, Oh, I'll come work for you. But I mean, I want 60,000 guaranteed up front over three. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'll just, I'll just do loans. Like, yeah. I'll just start calling people again. No big deal. So remind me again, what year it was you started Summerlin financial when? Yeah. Like what year was that? 2016. So in 2016, you were, I'm assuming you were the only one or at least the first one actually doing the loans at that point. Me and um, Colby. Colby came with me. Colby. So me. Okay. So Colby joined right away. Yeah. Colby was with me at, at high tech right before I left. And I said, Hey, this is what I want to do. I think it's going to be more conducive to you to build a better business. Um, and he's like, yeah, well, I'm doing whatever you do. So we both bounced. Well, what I like, you know, obviously there's Colby and, and now others is that you, you are, you were a great producer. Like you did a lot of loans, right? Like you mm -hmm. said, you were making a lot of money, like more money than you never made in your life at that point. More money than uh, I've made since then. Yeah. Like you were, you were crushing, but you also made a decision to, I'm going to start building through other people mm -hmm. uh, and not just, and I see in agents, we do this so often is like, it's so easy to go back to the thing that we know, which is production as opposed to forcing the growth through other people. Right. As opposed to like, yeah, I can go and I can make more money this month and this year by just doing the loans or selling the houses myself or taking the listings myself. But 
every time I do that, it's a step away from ever getting out of the business. And it's a step away from ever getting back your time and having true freedom. And so that was one thing I've always appreciated about you is that you started building with other people. Give me, so, and then in 2019, you said you took over is kind of when you, Adam went and shifted his focus on the the other side, his other companies, and you then took on the responsibility of title. Is that like a hard, was that a hard learning curve for you? Or were you already around it enough to where it was, it was, I don't want to say easy, but like you were able to kind of, kind of do it. Well, for, you know, everybody does things differently. I'm the kind of person that, um, so huge need to be right. Huge need to not be wrong as well. So I believe they're two different things. Um, so when I did loans, I had to know everything about doing loans. It's 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 my number one attribute and my worst, right? Like I'll overthink everything. I don't do it as much now as what I used to. Um, so like I knew what a title report was. I knew how to read it. I knew what the requirements were. I knew what the exceptions were. Like I had gotten burned too many times where we were going to close and all of a sudden I'm like, hold on, there's this child support judgment that showed up that didn't show up on their credit report. And now we can't close. I'm like, what do you mean we can't close? I already told everybody we're closing. Like we're like all my conditions are cleared. And so when some, something like that would bite me, I'm like, okay, that's never going to happen again. Like, how do I learn how to, so I would go to my escrow officer, like, how do I read this thing? Like, well, most lenders don't really care. I'm like, that's fine. Or loan officers, right? The underwriter might. I'm like, no, I need to know. Like, I need to know, send it to me every time. I want to know what I'm looking at, what's going to bite me, what's not going to bite me. And so I always got really involved in all of those things. Um, and a lot of LOs don't, and they still don't. Like, I still know guidelines off the top of my head. I can almost see in my head where it's at in like we use Flagstar Bank a lot. Like I can see it on the page where it's at. And so those things are big for me because I never wanted to tell somebody I couldn't do what I said I could do. Yeah. Like I can't be wrong. Right. And so I did know quite a bit about um, what that looked like. I didn't know the ins and outs. And I believe a lot of people on both sides, lenders and real estate agents really have no clue what, what people do in title and escrow. Um, that's why I always laugh when we're trying to market or, or recruit them to use us. We're like, yeah, but so-and-so or this company, I'm like, well, do you even know what they do? Like, well, I mean, not really. I'm like, okay, at least you're honest, right? Like, you, you know, they're better over here. Well, what makes them better? Like, just it's a, it's a simple question. Do you get along better with them? Um, do they close your deals on time? Which really, they don't really have normally us as the lender screwing that up, right? Um, so like, what do they do that, you know, is so amazing? I'm like, well, I really can't answer that. I'm like, okay, that's, that's fair. You just like them. And that's cool too. I want you to like me. And if you like me, I want you to use me as well. So what I was really good at though, was making harder decisions, right? And so taking it over when something didn't go the way everybody wanted it to go. And a lot of, um, I think people in our real estate industry think that title and escrow make decisions and we don't make any decisions. Um, we're instructed, yeah. right? And so if something doesn't go the way it's supposed to go, we go back to the contract read the contract and it instructs us what to do if this was to happen or that was to happen. And so I might say, yeah, I'll make the decision that the earnest money is going to the seller, but I don't really get to make that decision. I just do what it says. And the contract says it goes to the seller if this is if this if these things happen. And so a lot of times, you know, the escrow officers they they want to get more business. And when you have to make a decision that one person's not going to be happy with, right? It's harder. And so like, I'm the guy that's always like, cool. Yeah, I'll call him. Like, yes, hey, I'll let you know that it's going to the seller. Wow. That's, you know, I'm like, it's just what you wrote. Like, I don't, 
You can be mad, but just be mad at the boilerplate contract that you used because you guys were in breach. They cured you. You didn't satisfy the cure. And therefore, or you had a loan contingency, but your lender came back and said that they didn't have enough money to close. And in your same contract, it says not having enough cash to close is not considered a loan contingency. I mean, there's just, it's, it's black and white. Yeah. And so I was good at those things. And then um, I believe I'm decent at sales. And so that's something they needed help with. Like, okay, what do you guys want? Where do you girls want to make off your bonus? How do we back into that bonus into action items? And then now you tell me what action items you're going to do. And then I'm just going to hold you accountable to those action items. And so it allowed us to grow the business pretty quickly. COVID didn't, didn't hurt. Right. Um, and so they, the girls blew up and we added more people and they're amazing. They do a bang up job and uh, it kind of was easy because they did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's called owning a business. So um, do you, when you think back at the things that made you like a really good, you're obviously a great loan officer, like, cause based on results. And I believe you've become a really good business owner and operator um, as well. What were the things that you had to learn different or what are the things that um, maybe skill wise that helps you, you know, that, that it also helps you on the mortgage lending side, like as the producer that have since helped you. And then what are the other things you have, you've had to learn or kind of add to your repertoire to be a great owner, manager, CEO of now, not just one, but two companies, the, the, both on the financial and the title side. So the, the skills in the beginning, um, a lot of, some of them were natural for me. Uh, like I always, I usually use an example all the time. Like, I believe you're like, to me, the John Maxwell of the people I know, like you're a great connector, um, and communicator. And, and I, I believe I'm okay at it. Like when I meet people, I'm, I can be likable. It's just who I am. Right. Um, I was talking to a new agent today at an open house and, she was asking me like connect wise, like, did you track your connects? And I said, well, you know, Dustin's been my coach for, I don't know now, I think 11 years. Um, we never tracked connects for me. We tracked prequels, right? Because I was always connecting. Like no matter where I went, I was connecting. Like if I was at the, you know, I told her I wish to go to the, the same Starbucks every day at 4.30 in the morning, but every girl in there knew I did loans. So if their parents needed a loan or their older sister needed a loan or they were getting out of college and needed a loan, I was like the guy. Cause I went in there every day. I didn't go through the drive-thru. I walked in something I read in a book a long time ago. I was nice. I tipped them. Well, I talked to them. I didn't say I did loans. It just naturally happened from going in every single day for months and months and months. Right. Um, so that stuff I didn't really learn. And then I figured out that the more I could build a relationship, the better off I was about getting a loan from somebody. And so I always just overperformed on value, whatever that meant. I know the word's thrown around a lot, but like in the beginning, we had a big prudential company here. Like I pounded signs for the number one real estate agent in Lake Havasu. What listings do you have, Ann? And then I'd go with her son and I'd help them. We'd go to lunch and we would, I'd make flyers and I never got business for, I don't know, like a year. And then her guy, something happened. She called me. She goes, I have one investor. He has four contracts out right now. That was, you know, the good old, I could do stated stated down to a 620, no money down investment property days. Right. And so um, she's like, can you get these done? And I said, let me look, call you back. I said, yeah, I can get them done. She's like, okay, you get them done. Everything's yours. And I said, cool. And I performed. And so knowing that building those relationships and 
Then I learned over time that if I could add value to a real estate agent, so I'd go to real estate agent events instead of loan officer events, I'd learn what people were doing to get more listings, that type of stuff. And then I'd come back and teach it. Or I'd go learn from John Maxwell about how to be a better communicator. And then I'd go teach that. And so I knew eventually over time, I was really bad at, hey, Kevin, what do I got to do to get your next deal? I was really bad at that. And a lot of people are really good at it. Um, I was really good at just doing stuff over and over and over again until you almost felt guilty. Yeah. And then you're like, this guy keeps showing up and he keeps doing all these things for me. I mean, he helped me move. He he fixed my car battery. Like, like this guy is always here and I give him no business. And then it would be like, hey, this deal's falling apart. Someone said you're really good at figuring stuff out. Like your brain works in weird ways that you, you know, you don't go against guidelines, but you figure out how to work within them. I'm like all the time. And so I was that guy that fixed shitty loans. And then I got really good at reading tax returns. So then I was the self-employment guy. Nobody wants to do these. Like you're the guy. And, you know, most self-employment people can be very affluent. So then I got to do all the higher end homes. My, my average loan amounts went up. And so I just learned the more I could learn and be better at those things, the, the more I could do. And so for me, relationships and adding value were the two things that I learned in the loan business. Um, the things that I'm still learning and I work on today in the, uh, in the leader role is empathy. Um, I wasn't very empathetic in loans. For who? Like not empathetic for who? For your like, um, employees? Yeah. I mean, for whoever I was dealing with. So as an LO, I was dealing with clients, mm-hmm. right? And so, hey, Greg, it's Kevin. I got this guy and I call him and the guy's a 520. I'm like, yeah, you're a 520. Sorry, I can't help you. Next. Right? But- <laughs> Just maybe like too direct. Yeah. Like, Hey, Hey bro. I really, you know, fill out, and that's why I used the link, fill out the link. And then I could add an assistant who would pull all the credit and then put all the things on my desk. And there'd be like 12 apps on my desk. And I just go, no, 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 maybe no, no. Yes, yes, yes. And allocate most of my time to the yeses and then maybe counsel the maybes. And then the nos were like, Hey, I'm so, so sorry, but unfortunately your credit is too bad. You, you don't qualify. And then just like where there was other people that I knew, that I found out over time, like they put them in a system to help them get to from a no to a maybe, and then from a maybe to a yes. And maybe that took six months to a year, a year and a half. Um, So I wasn't really good at that. I was really good at the right now, but I had a lot of right now. So, but instead of closing like a hundred or 150 loans a year, I could have closed 300 knowing what I know now. Um, So empathy for that, like, Oh, you were in a hard spot. And I had shitty credit. So like I could have been empathetic. Like I could, I could completely understand. Had a kid at a young age, bought my first house brand new right when I got out of the Navy, let that house go, had a foreclosure in like 2000 and then thought I could never buy again. So I just knew my credit was just crap forever. So I could, there was reasons for me to be empathetic, but I was more driven by money than than anything else. I was like, nope, nope, nope. And so then as I got older and in in the leading, it's like, okay, being more empathetic to uh, where people are at, and then helping them get to where they want to go. And then finding out that there's, there's just so much more fulfillment in that. Um, like I stole something from David Metzler that says, like for me, I, I have found out by contemplating this over and over again that I can find the most fulfillment into finding out where my true potential is. And then to take it one step further than that is helping somebody else to figure out, right? Like there's people yeah. in my life all the time that have always seen me doing bigger and better things. Sometimes I have to borrow that from them. Um, but if I, if I could do that for somebody else, like that's, that's pretty cool. And so that empathy has come, it's not where it needs to be just yet. And so, uh, it's getting there. Yeah. There are days where I'm, where I super get like, you could ask anybody in this office. There's, think, there are days where I'm good, but there are days where I, 
revert back to like, are you listening to me? Like, I think most people that have had to, who especially kind of start at zero and build something, um, probably struggle with that. Some of that stuff, that same stuff, because it's, I know for me, the thought is like, fuck, are you trying to not be successful? Like, are you just trying to, to not make this work? Um, like, are you, are you trying to fail out? So you think, quote unquote, go get a real job or, or what, or whatever the story is that you're telling yourself. And then you can say, you, and then you can say you tried, you gave it your best shot. Everything's yeah. good, but maybe I'm just supposed to be a server. Yeah. And, and I think just, you know, also too, I think maybe you're similar to me in this sense too. I always like see, I often, I, I, I see the best version of that person in most cases. And so when they don't do the things that are in alignment with the best version of them, like make like, you know, if it's an agent making their phone calls, doing the training they need to do, just kind of doing the, the right activities for whatever role they are. It's frustrating. It's like extra frustrating. Cause I'm like, damn, dude, you could be so good. And then that when I'm frustrated, I'm probably not as empathetic either uh, and tend to maybe even be a little cold about it. But so I, I, my point is, I think a lot of people struggle with that. That's definitely not unique to the two of us. No, some people are just better at it. Yeah, for sure. And then the ones I think are naturally better at it, I ask and they're like, no, I work on it all the time. And I'm like, okay, cool. So it's not just me. Like there are times, like I said, where it's like, oh, I can complete. Yeah. And there's times where I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, dude. So you're running, I mean, running two companies and granted they're related, but they're so, they are so different, like mortgage and title. Um, and then even within your mortgage company, you're running not just like your typical mortgage company, but you've got the hard money and the, you know, the private money stuff going on, uh, and some of the other non QM things. Like it just seems, seems like a lot, like what do you think are the two or three, or maybe it's four or five, I don't, I don't know, skills that you have, or maybe habits that you have that you think, um, help you to, to continue to, to not just like run those things, but grow those things into the future. I mean, for me, the number one thing is calendar. I was joking yesterday. Um, I moved some stuff around to try to help some people do some things. And then those things fell apart and didn't happen. So then the calendar was empty, right? Because I had moved to do this and then this didn't happen. And so then all of a sudden, like I was completely lost. And so yesterday afternoon was probably the most unproductive afternoon I've had in a long time. Um, so for me, the discipline of having things time blocked, because people ask me all the time, like, I don't know how you get done in the day what you get done. Like now you're, so I've, I've done, started to be more in production now, just because the season that we're in to try to make sure that we're still around when, for when the season's good. Yeah. Right. And so people are like, how can you recruit market to realtors, do loans, um, help with the title company, which I have an amazing manager there. She does all of the work. Like I just walk by and check on people, right? Hey, how's the day? Hey, like, you know, and so um, to say that I actually run it would, I mean, if you ask them, they probably say I do more than what I say I do, but I don't really believe I do. Uh, but when people, when I tell them it's my calendar and they're like, well, can I look at it? I'm like, sure. And then they look at it and they're like, yeah, no, I'm good. And so, you know, it's in, so 3 a.m. wake up, right? 3.15 ruck, 4.30 plunge five o'clock CrossFit. And then after that, it just depends. 6.30 Zoom call with one guy on Tuesday, 6.30 meeting at the coffee shop on Monday with another guy. I mean, it's pretty dialed in. It, if it doesn't tell me what to do, I, I, I'm i not going to do it. Like today, open house 
open houses from a certain time to get back here to be on this with you. And so if I can put those things in there and stick to them, everything gets done. And then of course, there's always something that doesn't go right because we're in lending and nothing ever goes right. And so then it's adapting to that and making sure that, um, you know, and so I tell the story and I get mixed reviews. Um, my wife is a saint. Like I was, so I have a buddy that told me that my title should be the, de the degenerate mentor. And so for a long time, I did a lot of things that weren't very conducive to, um, building a great relationship with, with a spouse. And, um, but that's like, for me, that's when I also made the most amount of money. Like I could drink four days a week and do more loans than anybody. And so, uh, spending time with her is very important to both of us. And like some people get it and some people don't, but from six to eight in my calendar, it says Melinda time. Like it's time blocked. Yes. It's that, it's that crude. But if you ask her, she's like, I'm so excited that I'm in the calendar from six to eight. This is going to happen. Yeah. And then my alarm goes off at six 30. And then she's like, do you want to go turn the sound on or do you want me to? And I'm like, oh, I'll go do it. Like, cause that's usually when we're eating, turn the sauna on. Cause my sauna, um, it's manual. I went cheap. I don't have Bluetooth or anything. Same. Um, so I, I, go I gotta out. walk, I walk out there and turn it on 15 okay. minutes before yeah. I'm ready to get in. So I got there, turn it on. And then she just knows at seven o'clock, I'm going to jump in there and then jump out and rinse off. And then we're going to have the rest of the time before I go to sleep at eight 30. Cause I'm going to get back up at three the next day. And so it works for us. It works for me. Um, and then the weekends are a little, a little less, um, direct, but, uh, whatever ADHD when I was like in third grade, very high IQ boredom for me is like the complete devil. Yeah. And so I have to keep myself structured or if not, I'm all over the place and not that all over the place isn't fun because it is, uh, but it's not conducive to getting to having all those things happen. All the moving parts work when I'm, when I'm dialed in. Yeah. You know how to, you, you effectively know how to manage yourself. Like you've learned how to, how to put up the, the, I don't like the word rules, but like the rules that you need you, that are optimal for Greg to mm -hmm. do what Greg's got to do. Yeah. And it's, you know, I tell people just do what works for you. Like I love Goggins, right? He's pretty harsh. And so, you know, he has a saying that says, I'm not crazy. I'm just not you, you know? Yeah. And so like my buddies and I went and did Mount Humphreys this year, but we wanted to do it in the snow. And so no one's ever snowshoed or hiked in the snow before. And like six of us just said, we're doing it. There's no trail. And we got to where we're looking up and we can see the peak. And we're like, let's just go up the face. And so we did. Right. And it was horrible. But then when we got to the top. It wasn't. It was pretty cool. And yeah. so, you know, those are the things that I know give me the release. Some people sitting on the beach. I'm good on a beach for, I don't know, an hour. And I hopefully I have a book with me. But yeah, that's, I mean, or if there's surf, maybe I, you know, go boogie board or something, but I got to be moving. I'm a, I'm a mover. My brains can't have idle times. Not good for Greg. It's really not good for anybody to be honest. So. <laughs> well, like your point is though, I think you're right. It's like, it's, it's what you figured out. What makes you go? What makes you tick? What makes you be able to move towards what, what you're after. Right. And that's, that is the important part. No yeah, I just have to be in that rhythm or harmony, like balance, you know, when I think of balance, I think of the the scale I stole from chemistry when I was in high school so I could sell weed. 
right? When it's at zero, when it's at zero, you're so you like, were oh. always an entrepreneur, is what you're saying. Always an entrepreneur. All the things I did as a kid now are everybody's making millions and billions of dollars in. I'm like, oh, but I was the asshole. Yeah, right? back then you were getting in trouble for it. I yeah. was just ahead of my time. Yeah, that's all. No, people just didn't know. They just didn't appreciate what they had in you. They didn't. So that scale, when it's at zero, it's like this. Yeah. Right. You know, but then when you're like this, it's like something's got to give. Whatever you, whatever you're giving attention to, you're not giving attention to something else. Yeah. And so to find balance, and that's I think is really difficult. Um. And once I released the thought of that there would be balance, then I was like, cool. I'm going to do what I want to do that brings me joy, as long as it's not affecting anybody else negatively. And really, the only other person is you know my wife, and then I have a kid and two grandkids um that live in Phoenix. So if I can spend some time with them. If I can make sure that my wife is happy, right? Because if she's happy, then I can do whatever I want. And that's you know, ultimately, you know, freedom. And so sometimes it's going to take those days, right? Sometimes it's a, you know, a 12 or 14 hour day. And then other times it maybe it's only a four hour day. Yeah. Maybe it's a Sunday that obviously now something happens and I have to go do something. It's just, I used to be so rigid with boundaries. Um, and I remember Dustin telling me not that long ago, like, have your boundaries, but as long as the boundaries aren't stopping you from getting to the result that you said you wanted. And I was like, ah, oh, like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's a good one. Cause I can get rigid, right? Like, nope, not answering the phone after seven, not like, it's like, okay, well then just realize that you're not going to get whatever's on the other side of that phone call. I say this in line with that, not necessarily in line against what, um, when we were talking about your schedule earlier, but like one thing that was big for me was, uh, Dan Kennedy had a say, has a saying, uh, something to the end of summarizing here, or something to the effect of like an entrepreneur who's too tightly scheduled can't transform. So for me, I'm very, I'm like, I'm really similar. Like I, once I figured out if I, if I blocked my time appropriately, basically told myself ahead of time what to do at what time of day, then I was more successful. I was more, I was able to move forward faster, uh, in the way that I wanted to go. And then for me, I got to a point where I did it too. I did that too much. Like I was too tightly scheduled. I was too, I was overly scheduled. And when I started to loosen up and kind of give myself some, uh, like a, just a little bit of leeway there, like kind of just to Dustin's point of like not letting those boundaries control everything I do. So it's kind of like, I went too far. And then when I brought it back sort of to the middle on that, then it was like, that was, that was really big for me. Like that was, that helped me to move forward a lot. So yeah, you gotta, there's gotta be white right in the calendar. Yeah. There's gotta be some white space. I just found out a way to, to chunk a lot of it. Yeah. And so like when I rock, I don't listen to anything. And so it's an hour with me by myself, with my thoughts, planning my day. And then whatever it is that I think I need to be working on internally, um, I'm working on it. Right. Cause I'm just walking. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not running. I can, yeah, there's weight, but I have that time to really focus on things for me. And so um, then I don't have to realize about doing that later or what would this, what today look like? Or what if this happened or what if that happened? And so, although it's scheduled, what happens in that time is, you know, it's crazy what can happen when you're with yeah. your own thoughts. So no, <laughs> no, I, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I, I love that. Um, for, you know, I've had a kind of a backseat uh, view of watching you grow your business and, and your life over over the years that I've loved, I'd love to to see what you do. Um, I've always kind of admired the way you treat other people and I love watching the way your business has grown so much. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited for you, dude. I know 
as you've referenced a few times, like this is, this is obviously not the, this is not the most fun time. This is, this is the quote unquote winter that people often refer to, if you will, when it comes to mortgage title and real estate, right? It, like it doesn't matter uh, your business and mine. And this is, this is winter time. And to see you to be able to continue to, to grow and make it through it. Um, I, I like you believe that as things turn, like it just gets even better, right? It just, it will just be even better than the last time it was quote unquote good or not winter time. And so uh, I'm excited for you, dude. Yeah. I think, you know, we went through it last time and it was like, we were never going to get out of it. Yeah. It always feels all, that way. And all middle. of a sudden we were right. And then I was like, well, there's nobody left. Yeah. So great. We get all the deals. Cause there's nobody left. Yeah. Like by default, you know? And then, so I just know that that cycle will happen again, as long as you cannot last the winter. So. Yeah. Even just like, even maintaining, like a lot of people get upset when they don't grow year over year, right? They they want to grow, say 30%, do 30% more deals year over year, 20% more deals. Like the reality is, is like you could go stagnant, do the same deal year over year or go backwards a little bit. And the reality is, is you are growing because everyone else is going, like if you're going forward 10% a year and the market's going back 10% a year, like everyone else, like people don't realize how big that really is. No one's excited about 10% growth or even no growth year, year over year. 1% I, growth. Yeah, I get that. And to like take a step back and like look at what is the entire industry doing, especially like in, in a local area. And then how do you compare that? Because that's when things swing again the other way, they will, they always do. Like you're going to have that much more momentum than you did the last time. I think so. And what's the amount of work you're willing to do? Right. Like here, we used to have a big thing that, you know, homes don't sell in the summer, right? Cause it's hot. 115, 118, 120. It's like, well, homes do sell. Right. Um, maybe we just think they don't. So we don't work as hard. Fact. Um, yes. You know, I remember a realtor telling us one time, yeah, pool homes don't sell as good in the winter because it's cold. And Colby came to me with that. And I said, Hey, do me a favor. Cause he's, he has a license as well. I said, get into the system and run the numbers because numbers don't lie. So how many were sold in a time period where we think they wouldn't and how many were sold in the time period that everybody says is when they're on fire and let's look at the difference. And it was like 4%. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, it's just a thought that we've always said this was a realtor that had been in around in Havasu for 20 years. And it always used to be pool homes don't sell in the winter, pool homes don't sell in the winter. Well, if you start to believe that, then what do you not sell in the winter? Yeah. Well, it, it also, it just gives you this internal excuse to like, not even try to sell a pool home in the winter. Right. Like, yes. It's, and then it's okay. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what I look at in this, in like our market now, it's like, okay, well, if you were doing 10 connects a day and it was yielding a result that you wanted, maybe it's 30 now. Are you willing to do 30? Yeah. So, okay. This is my, I wasn't I hadn't really thought about going here, but I'm going to now as like, as kind of a final set of questions when you think, so you don't have to tell me like exact, like, I'm not saying, Hey, what do you say to Colby? But like, when you're talking to, to, to loan officers, maybe it's just, maybe it's just someone you're coaching. That's not even in your company. Right. Or it's, it's somebody who works for you directly. Like what is the message you want to get across to them, if you will, or what are like the two or three things you want them to know? about 
what they should be doing right now or what they should be focused on right now in this, again, we'll call it winter. Hmm. So the first thing I always go back to is what is it that you want? Right? Like I used to always get attached to people's emotionally attached to somebody else's results. Um, and so I had to learn the hard way for years that I can't do that. So like accountability is like the devil word, right? Like, Oh, I don't want to be accountable. I'm like, cool. Don't, you don't have to be accountable. Like, I'm not going to hold you accountable to what I think you're capable of. So you tell me what you want and then I'll help you figure out how to get that. And then you're going to agree to the things that you believe are going to help you get there. And I'm just going to hold you accountable to that. Right. So in our world, it's always money. I want to make 120 grand a year. Great. 120 grand a year, 10 grand a month. Awesome. Average commissions, 5,500 bucks a loan. So you need to close two loans. Great. Average conversion rate on closings. Let's say you're not a great loan officer. Let's say it's 80%. 80% of the loans you put in will close. So if you want to close two, you got to put in three. Right now we're at a really crappy rate for prequels to originations. It's like 20%. So 20% of the people you talk to will actually do a loan with you. Cool. And we can figure out what that is. So what is that? Uh, if you got to close three, so 50% would be six, right? So maybe you have to talk to eight people, eight prequels, and maybe their credit's not good. They don't like you. They just don't buy, whatever. They don't qualify. They don't make enough money, whatever it is. So you have to do eight of those a month or eight of those a month. Then what do you need to do to get those things? You got to talk to X amount. Where do you get your business from? Well, I get them mostly from my sphere and from realtors. Great. And so we just break that down and I just hold them accountable to that. And then when we look at their numbers, they're supposed to track them, right? I was a guy that all through school never tracked any of my work. I didn't do homework. I refused. It was a boundary for me <laughs> as a young kid. If you tell me what the reason for homework is, well, Greg, it's to make sure you pass the test. Great. So if I get hundred on the test, you'll give me the extra 10% back that I'm supposed to get for homework, but I'm not going to do it. Right. I was that jerk. And so I don't care if you show your work, Kevin, you don't have to track, you don't have to turn in your numbers as long as you're getting the result that you said you wanted. So are you closing two loans a month? Yes. Awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Are you closing two loans a month? No. Great. Let's look at your numbers. I don't have them. Well, then I can't help you. Okay. Here are my numbers. Great. So now maybe your conversion is 10% instead of 20 or your close rates 60% instead of 80. We can fine tune skills to make those better. Or you just need to talk to more people. Yeah. Right. And so it always, for me, is going to boil down to what is it that you want? Not what I think you want or what I want for you. And I was really bad at that. Like I did really well when I did loans. So like I hired people I'm like, you should want to make half a million dollars a year and I'm yeah. going to show you how. And then I got Colby and Colby's like, yeah, let's do it. And then he did it. Right. So I'm like, everybody should be Colby. Every, every person I hire should be him. And then it was like, well, not everybody wants to do that or sacrifice that. Okay. Well, what do you want? Well, I want to make this and I want to still have time with my kids. Like, okay, let's formulate what that looks like. But then you still have to do the things, right? Yeah. That get you to those things. And so um, in the season that we're in right now, it's just what I go back to. It's like, what is it that you want? I get it if it's not what you want. And if it's not what you, here's, I think we have built out goals. And then when we find out that we don't align with those goals, we'd rather just be miserable than just adjust the goal. Yeah. Like, it's okay. Maybe it's not 120 this year. Maybe you're cool with 60. I don't, I don't know. But if you still want the 120, then we're going to have to like, we're going to have to change these things over here. We're going to change some things. And it's going to get uncomfortable. And we all know in sales, like doing the uncomfortable, the mundane, the monotonous, the boring is what usually gives us the best result. So 
you know, I have, I don't know, three coaches. I have Dustin for mindset and life, <laughs> just life in general. Um, I have Amir, who's my loan officer coach. And then I have this guy, Neil, who's my content coach. Cause I not a video guy and not a content guy. Well, I am now, but I wasn't, but I know that it's something that has to be done. And so when I want to learn how to do something, I just hire people that are really good at it to get them to teach me. And so they were showing us Google ads for YouTube. And so I showed my team and they're like, like, we're all falling asleep. This is the most boring thing I've ever watched in my entire life. And so when I got, when we got done, I'm like, the fact that we all fell asleep tells me that we need to go all in on this because nobody's going to do this because this is like not fun. Building this out and targeting the people and making sure that your video is going to show up on the right YouTube video that somebody might click on something and maybe fill out an application or maybe you do a buyer consult with you or something of that nature, right? And they all just looked at me. I go, I know one or two of us will do it and the rest won't. I get it. So that's what I'm showing people now is let me find out what people are doing that are making a ton of money doing it that actually have a proven result. And then I'm going to come show you and teach you guys how to do that. And then you're either, you're either going to do it or you won't. Yeah. Right. Like I still send videos because you told me to send videos a long time ago to wish people a happy birthday. Like I'll give you all my secrets because you won't do most of them. And I'm like, I'll do it out of spite just because you said I won't do it. Yeah. Right. And so that's what I'm showing and teaching is like, here are the things it's always going to go back to doing the things that we don't want to do. And there can be some things you want to do. Like I love events. I said, I told my team a long time ago, have events. It's one to many. I can put on a class. I can have a panel. Like we did a bit of a boss lady panel. We had three, three really great realtors in town from different brokerages come in and I invited then we got to hand invite the real estate agents that we wanted to come. And then we got yeah. to follow up and we got to market to them. Now we have 50 realtors in a room. Instead of saying, hey, Kevin, it's Greg. Wanted to see if you wanted to go to coffee and talk about the market and how I could help you grow your business. Like I was never that guy. Like if I could stand in front of 40 of them though and then get 40 business cards and give away a book, right? It's the old LA Fitness fill out the form for free membership. Three yeah. years membership, that was just lead generating. I was building a list. So I get to build my list and now I get to market, warm market to people instead of cold market to people. So um, just showing them the things that I know work. And then what we like to call now is being a modern loan officer versus a traditional. So all those things still work, but you just have to go about doing them in a different way. Yeah. Different vehicle. Mm -hmm. Dude, it's awesome. I freaking love your energy. I love, I love the way you I love the way you attack business. I love the way you attack, uh, the way you approach life. Appreciate you, dude. Yeah. It's fun. I'm all, why else be here? I dude. Yeah, I agree. You might as well, but might as well make it fun while we're here. Yeah. Like I love the, let me freeze and then let me sweat and then let me walk and let me not walk and let me lift some weights and let me come to work and let me get kicked in the teeth. And you know, like getting kicked in the teeth is the best part about our, our job. Yeah. No doubt. Well, Greg Whitmire, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for taking some time today to be on the show. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Uh, we will see you next week on the Next Level Agents podcast. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're looking for even more valuable content and resources to help you grow your business, then we invite you to join our community, Next Level Agents at eXp Realty. By joining us, you'll gain access to exclusive benefits like live trainings, events, masterminds, weekly Zooms, digital downloads, and so much more, all designed to help you grow your business. To learn more and become a part of our community, simply visit kevinandfred.com forward slash contact 
and get in touch with us today. Of course, if you're not quite ready to take the plunge and join our community, that's no problem at all. You can still access all of our great content for free right here on this podcast. And again, we thank you for listening. We look forward to continuing to bring you valuable insights and more advice in the future.